Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Seed to Forest. In this episode, I Gaurav Gupta, Chief Growth Officer at Excel Foundation, will be talking to Vivek Raghavan, Chief AI Evangelist at Excel. Vivek is considered to be one of the best brains on AI in India and has been involved in several government initiatives of leveraging AI and deploying it at scale. This episode has been put together on popular demand considering the buzz and the excitement around AI. In this episode, you can look forward to Vivek speak about the journey of deploying AI at scale in India and also learn about the seeds of language translation in India using AI and how initiatives like Jugalbandi have taken shape. A lot of exciting possibilities come up in the context of AI and I hope as you listen to this episode a lot of other exciting possibilities will open up for you. Happy listening. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Seed to Forest. Today we have with us Vivek Raghavan. Vivek is the chief AI evangelist at Accept Foundation. Vivek has had a long journey in the space of AI. In fact, he has been a formal serial entrepreneur, an out-of-box thinker and a problem solver. In fact, he's considered to be one of the best brains in the space of AI in the world and certainly in India. Vivek pioneered the use of AI at Aadhaar to improve the quality of service in terms of detecting fraud. Likewise, he has been involved in doing so in GSTN as well as in NPCI. Vivek is also the chief mentor at the Nilikani Center at AI for Bharat. And he's also on the AI committee of the Honorable Supreme Court and an advisor to Digital India Bhashini. We feel very privileged to be talking to Vivek today. So thank you so much, Vivek, for making time and welcome. Yeah, thanks, Gaurav, for having me on this podcast. I think it's going to be exciting to share this story in AI. I look forward to that. Great. Thank you, Vivek. So let me jump straight into the first question. Of course, you returned back from the US and you got involved with Aadhaar. And Aadhaar is where you seeded the idea of AI being used at scale via the digital public infrastructure that Aadhaar was going to be and the use case it was going to enable. So what was the thought? What were the kind of things that came out as Aadhaar got seeded with AI right from the early stages? Yeah, I'd like to give a little story to say how this whole thing, I've obviously been involved with Aadhaar for a very long time, but I think it was probably the summer of 2017 when actually an intern came to Aadhaar. And that intern was actually a student at Stanford who was interested in AI. And, and I think that and the conversations there that said, okay, wow, there are so many things that you could do to actually make both automate processes, improve quality of service for citizens, as well as reduce fraud. And I think that was actually the starting point. So it's kind of funny, right? That basically a chance internship of uh, a student actually actually triggered this entire, at least my personal journey into AI. And so then for literally in a matter of a few months, we were starting to play with so many things and look at so many kinds of things that can actually benefit at a citizen scale. And that's the first time I realized that these technologies are there, but then there is a working system. And if you actually build something, 
it's easy to integrate that within the existing system. So it takes yeah. examples of what that meant. So for example, I do see something like Digi Yatra, leveraging it today and face recognition happens in almost a flawless way. And of course, there is AI at the back of it. Likewise, any other such examples that that seeding of AI in Aadhaar enabled. So I think as you correctly said that face authentication is certainly one of the major models that, that Aadhaar has built and is going to be rolled out into scale. And I think it is probably going to be even more significant usage than some of the other modalities. And that's saying something because today 100 million people do fingerprint authentication using Aadhaar every day. And we expect the scale to be actually even larger than that. I think the other interesting thing that in detection of fraud, one very interesting thing is that we see that as the value of Aadhaar to citizens becomes more and more, people attempt to do various things to defraud the system. And one example of something like that, you have these fingerprints where, you know, have dummy fingerprints and other kinds of materials to actually try and do an authentication. And what we did was we used AI to actually build a model to understand when someone places their fingerprint on the scanner, whether that was a live finger or something else. And I think that we built a, a pretty amazing system to actually detect that in real time in less than 100 milliseconds. So by the time the person gets the answer back, we know whether this was an attempted fraud or not. Very powerful. And then uh, this thing, I mean, in terms of because it's detecting fraud and like you're saying, it's dummy finger or it's a real finger in itself. Typical usage of such a thing for fraud detection will be in, let's say, bank-related transactions. Any tra every single Aadhaar transaction, every day, it's a default. Of course, there may be more value in certain transactions as compared to others, but basically this is a mechanism to do that. The interesting thing is while you may see things like Digiatra has uses of face. One of the interesting, the reason why we actually brought face authentication into our system is two things that it does. One is that the intent is that now authentication can be done on any device. Right. And the vision is actually to make it available that you authenticate on your own device, not necessarily on a, a third party device. So for the scale of authentication using face, okay, is something that is going to change dramatically and then we're really at the very beginning of this rollout. And the other reason, of course, is in the core in a system like Aadhaar, inclusion is the critical criteria. And we know that sometimes people who are maybe seniors or they are maybe their fingerprints are not very good, then actually using face authentication becomes a way for them to be included in the system. So one of the interesting, important applications is actually the Jeevan Praman application where they are actually giving liveness certificates for seniors using face authentication because uh, interestingly, and this is just a kind of a technical aside, that, that for seniors, face is actually a more reliable form of authentication than a fingerprint. That's very powerful and especially the thing that you touched upon that it's not just authentication that can happen by any device, but how you bring in inclusion. Yes. So how you... Are you leveraging technology for the sake of inclusion? Yes. Different citizens, uh, yeah. the country, yeah. especially the senior citizens yes. in the example that you spoke of. Very, very powerful. Now, Vivek, you also touched upon the fact that the, these can be some of the very, very simple things that one can enable. And I recall that a few years back, a simple transaction where AI was leveraged, especially in the context of education and scaling, was that entire idea of Saral, right? And that Saral thing was simply to scan tabulated sheet that a teacher would have prepared on the back of conducting an assessment of students 
and being able to hence emit data in almost real time. This is we in the previous avatar where that information would have to be punched by a computer operator and would be fraught with errors and so on and so forth. So would you like to speak a little bit about that idea? I mean, how was it born and what is it really enabling? So it's actually interesting kind of a story there again. I think Gaurav, you were also there with me and we had gone to Ahmedabad uh, to have this meeting with the education department in Gujarat. And I think just as part of the conversation, this idea came up as, hey, there is a way to probably do this in a much more automated way and you can use certain simple AI capabilities to actually increase the amount of data and then really understanding of what st students are actually learning in a much faster way and close the feedback loop. And that was really the, it was interesting. If you look at it, the the thing that Xtep had done with great success was actually embedding the QR codes in the books. But in, in some sense, that is actually just one way where basically you're providing information to the students. But when you're getting information of what the output of the students is, it's kind of closing the loop in something like that. And that's really the, and again, basically, it's the interplay between physical and digital information. We know that for a fact that the students are going to actually do the test on a piece of paper. Not everybody has access to a digital thing. But yet, why don't we, why can't the analytics and the capabilities and understanding be as if the, the system was digital? And that that interplay of the same idea, right? That printing a QR code on a book being physical dramatically improves the digital accessibility or digital analytics of something like that. It was a very simple idea that involved AI, but very, you know, kind of simple AI, but still the value that is generated was significant because again, you were doing this kind of plus one kind of uh, thinking in, in, in the systems that already existed. Yeah. So that's very well articulated, Vivek, because you've touched upon two, three key things, right? It is not that something like AI has to be complex. It can be simple also, yeah. but the key is looking for where can it give more value. Now, because we're talking about information being captured from the ground, of course, a lot of it is written in the local language in terms of, you know, how people will fill that form. And therein, I know that especially because you're also passionate about language. And we know that a while back, the Honorable Supreme Court reached out to Accept Foundation requesting for how their official judgments can be translated so that it goes to all the different high courts and hence judgments can be known by different people. So do you want to talk about that initiative where we're yeah. moving from just data to now language getting enabled in this fashion? I think uh, coming back to the scene to forest theme, it was kind of a chance a request that came to Extra Foundation saying that we have all these judgments in English and we want to actually translate them into Hindi. Okay, that was the, and, and we have some systems and can you come and uh, help us to build something. And at that stage, as I said, I, I had an introduction into AI, but I certainly had not done anything in the language space. But uh, we just said, let's take it up as a challenge. So we just said, okay, let's just do a throwaway experiment. Let's try to see whether we could actually just train a model where I could take a judgment in English and use this new architecture, which had come out from Google called Transformers. And we said, that's the best way to actually build 
translation models from one language to another. So we said, okay, let's try to just play with the transformers that are there and see what kind of uh, output that, that we got. Actually, it's interesting. We originally, you know, one of the things to train, at least, you know, the traditional translation models are what are known as parallel cortices, which means that the same word, same sentence in two different languages, that parallel data is provided and that actually drives the training of the translation model. So you say the same thing in English, you say In that day, those days, there didn't exist. And actually, it was interesting that some of the work which was done in IIT Bombay actually had some of the largest parallel corpora between English and Hindi. And we actually leveraged that and we trained our new transformer model using that kind of thing. Of course, now everybody uses transformers and we knew that other languages are doing, but we said, let's take that data set, let's say things like an excel, let's build something. And literally within a month, we were seeing results that were surprising us. So the, the interesting thing was, and we went back to the Supreme Court and said, you know, hey, this is what uh, we're getting. And they said, oh, we have been trying for so long and this is something that it seems to be better than that. So therefore, that's how that thing happened. But then I think, uh, and we were going on, and for a few months, it was basically only English to Hindi. And then I don't know what happened. Maybe suddenly we said, why can't we do this for other Indian languages? And we just went on a kind of a, a literally a, a flurry of activity. And actually by maybe within, this was probably the November of 2019, probably just before COVID, we actually launched this SOAS application with the ability to translate and a translation system to be able to translate in nine different languages. One of the key things that we did was we had clever ways of identifying data and figuring out things and actually going out there and doing this, which most people say, oh, it should take a very long time to do. But somehow that we were able to manage to do that. And I think that's also that not necessarily that model was the best model. I mean, it was a good model for that time. But I think the point that came is there that if you do it, right, then people, it's always the starting point. What you do doesn't need to be perfect. What you, in all of these things, we actually built a system where people corrected and used human validation tools, but still people were able to see value in what we're doing. But again, the point is, put things out there and then people can actually refine it, make it better. That's at least one of the key things that, that you know, and we open sourced all of these things. And I think it was probably the, one of the early set of open sourced models that came out of the languages. That's very, very powerful, the way. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, uh, all of a sudden you put the spotlight on the aspect of inclusion yes. and access and uh, things becoming equitable because India is a diverse country. Yes. There are people from diverse stratas of the society who live in India. Of course, if one were to create opportunities for them, Inclusion becomes important and language plays a gift, right? And hence your aspect of even transactions that they're able to do, whether these transactions are learning related transactions or they are payment related transactions or other types of transactions, they being able to do that in their local language and hence feeling empowered yes. and being able to do that. It's very, very powerful as the vision behind something like this. Now, of course, as things were developing, right? AI for Bharat was also born. Now, how do you connect that to some of these developments that were already happening in this space? I am learning a lot in this conversation. Hope you are too. Which questions would you like me to ask? What areas would you like me to explore further? 
please write to me at gaurav@ekstep.org I think two things were happening. One was, of course, Inkstep was doing was building some translation models. Then later, we got into speech recognition, built the Vakanch models and things like that. So we went into speech and other things as well. And of course, we were part of this national uh, NLDM Bhashini project and and helping them with Ulka and Datadan and make, working with various groups. So one of the very important aspects of Bhashini itself, the ministry had basically this these grants to actually collect data. which is actually very very significant data to actually make this whole 22 language translation possible and i think that that grant was almost critical without which i think much of this foundational data that we are collecting through people who are actually spread out all over the country to actually improve our translation models collect speech data and collect text to speech data i i think is again something which is very very important and unless that role had been played we would not be able to do any of these things and the other place where also the bhashni project also gave us access to significant compute uh, gpus within cdac and all of those things so that's why it shows that unless all the pieces are there together you can't make some of these things work and uh, i think i was actually introduced to ai for bharat by a friend of mine from google and so i said i want to do this kind of uh, open source kind of uh, translation models and stuff like that and so i was mentioning this is manish gupta was director of research at googles and uh, he said oh there are these guys in ras uh, you could uh, talk to them and so he actually just it's a chance connect it is all covid time nobody could actually meet anybody <laughs> the chance connect and so then literally once the first introduction happened basically i was talking to these guys literally you know multiple times a week and i think the fundamental alignment was in the thought process which is the first thing that you need to align that basically these guys are highly committed to open source they are highly technical and detail oriented in what they are doing and they have this passion that they want to do things for indian languages and you know so sometimes when that kind of thing clicks right that you you understand okay this this is the right team this is the right kind of thing and because of and it, i don't know uh, like you get yeah, the yeah. aha moment yes. itself yeah it's a aha moment itself you say okay this is the right these are the right people the right the, the, they're doing it. so we actually did the first thing that we did was uh, as i had earlier said right for the case of translation the importance we said was the important data that you had was actually something which was known as parallel corpus right which is the same sentence in two different languages now the amount of parallel corpus in indian languages is kind of limited right so we say okay that's the amount of and then you know people used to hand build these parallel corpora so and it's interesting how this happened was there are certain tools which actually can estimate that is semantically whether two sentences written in two different languages mean the same thing or not and this is actually a tool which was open sourced by google okay called nabse but we said let's do this to find parallel corpora on the web okay so then it's completely took that uh, so instead of actually somebody hand creating parallel corpora we said we are going to search for them so therefore this is not a perfect thing because now the things it may say that they are the same and they may not be the same but 
the end, we now had a way by which we can crawl the web and find sentences. So therefore, think about it this way that, you know, there are actually much fewer sentences in Indian languages. Obviously, the amount of data in Indian languages on the web is much less compared to the amount of data. So therefore, if I look at an Indian language sentence on the web, I want to see, is there something that means the same thing in English somewhere on the web? And so we just use that automated technique and basically change the order of magnitude of the amount of data, parallel data that was available to train a translation model. And then we trained the translation model and, you know, uh, AIFA Bharat did that and we were helping them. And, and then we created what was this translation model called Indicran. So instantly we changed the amount of data. So that was my first kind of experience actually working with the team at AIFA Bharat. And then Parallelly, we were also working on speech models. They started doing some very interesting things in speech models. So I realized that this team is really something that is special. Top scores. So, so all of these innovations yeah. are interconnected. Yes, yes. So of uh, how things pan out. And, yeah. and of course, uh, Nandan, you know, being the visionary that he is, saw the future in AI. He, and he made an investment. Yes, it's uh, absolutely. AI for Bharat. Hence the Nilekani Center yes. at IIT Madras for AI for Bharat. Of course, there were a lot of things that were happening, but how is it evolving? And especially in that context, if you can speak a little bit about Jugalbandi and how it was born, the role it is taking now. So I think when we created this AI for Bharat, we created the Nilikani Center for AI for Bharat, the intent was to achieve English language equivalence in AI in terms of data sets, models, and applications. And that is for all Indian languages. That's the goal of that center in an open source manner. So I think and one of the things that AI for Bharat has been doing is it's very clear that they are doing highest quality research in the sense that they have so many papers in, in top journals in the last two or three years. At the same time, they're actually creating these data sets which are open and they're basically allowing basically the entire ecosystem to get better. You can go today to the data sets, resources they have on the AIFA Bharat web page or the model page. And you see that every week you come something new, <laughs> or literally every month, uh, there are new data sets and there are new things which are available for anybody to take and, and move the needle forward on Indian mind. So that has been kind of a very amazing experience. And I think that the speed at which the models have been built, not just by them, even by other people in the Bhashni project, as a result of this, all these things coming is, is actually, there's been a tremendous uh, speed up of that whole process. So Vivek, that's fascinating in terms, right? How different pieces are connected and the kind of journey that it has taken. And of course, the kind of future that it paints. And of course, in this context, one of the questions that I was asking was about Jugalbandi. You know, the role that it has now started yeah. can play in the future. And also, you know, the involvement that Nandan has in terms of giving it the vision and XF in terms of supporting the funding, etc. So just speak through that. So I think uh, something interesting happened six months ago, right? So chat GPT happened. So these kinds of large language models had existed for a few years. But the results that people got from those large language models was kind of so-so or underwhelming, maybe is the right word. But suddenly the chat GPT exploded onto the world and the capability that it had in understanding language and understanding things had dramatically changed. And I think that what we realized very early was 
that, well, I think two things. One is, of course, it, it talked about some kind of uh, fundamentally different things also now becoming important. And that's some of the things that we are moving in the future in AI for Bharat and other things. But we also see that this ability to be able to converse in any language with basically using these LLMs to actually do the reasoning and combining them with the speech recognition models and the translation models and the text-to-speech models, you could actually create kind of voice bots in, in Indian languages. And then you could also control the voice bots to actually focus on certain kind of authoritative data and actually provide simple answers back to people in their own language. And it just allowed us to create this. Uh, Jugal Bandi was the first, one of the things was to actually look at government schemes. And of course, the, the whole point was there that for any government scheme, you actually could get a kind of a, a scenario where you could ask about eligibility and give your details and that the bot would answer back something to you in a manner that you would understand what the scheme is, whether you're eligible for it and what you need to do to actually uh, enroll for the scheme. And so that became quite a success in the sense that it was featured by even Satya Nadella at, at Davos and even at Microsoft Build and other kinds of things because it was a very interesting application of using the highest end technology to actually provide inclusion and access to people who otherwise would not have it. Then, of course, you know, moving into the voice, supporting AI for Bharat, if all these pieces were not there when the LLMs came, the ability to actually kind of visualize how this would be useful for citizens and how it can be useful for people is something that would not have happened. There is no reason that these things should have been supported, but they were because of the vision of Nandan and Ekstep. And I think that has allowed us to at least think of these things, these kinds of language AI, as well as these large language models as basically ways by which citizens can actually benefit and we can actually bring things to people which were not possible before. That's a beautiful articulation, Vivek, because I think yeah. with this, you've also connected the thread of what you spoke of in the context yeah. of languages, which yeah. is to enable inclusion and access yeah. for citizens in the country. Yeah. Right? And in a way, what also comes through is that in a way, Jugalbandi has given voice in the form of bots to so many other initiatives which were behind it in terms of making it happen, right? Correct. So the entire aspect of translation, speech recognition, along with so many other efforts, yes. combined with LLFs, when it yes. came through in the context of chat GPT, and by virtue of these being open source efforts, led to the creation or the birth of Jugalbandi, which now... Uh, of course, the world is excited about it. India is excited about it. The one use case that everyone has pretty much seen is how a farmer in his local language can query bot enabled by Jugalbandi to get answers to the schemes they are eligible for and how can they go about applying for it. Yeah. Right? And uh, now, in fact, there are so many other use cases that are spawning off on the back of this in education, in scaling, in healthcare, in agriculture. And so many other diverse sectors, because like you said, it's about inclusion and access in local language for citizens to benefit in the local language that they speak. And then that being the yeah. power of it in terms of this. So, so Vivek, just one final question, right? This has been a really fascinating conversation, knowing the journey and where it is. Uh, but 
what are we poised for now? What do you see coming through in the near future as uh, things shape up? I think that we are at a very exciting point. And I think that this whole concept of basically getting citizens, getting information, getting services, maybe learning, getting medical care, or whether all of these things are going to become possible using this combination of this language, AI models and LLMs. Of course, we need to get better, right? That's always, we're still at the beginning of this curve. And I think things, technologies will improve and new kinds of applications will come out. And maybe for some of these things, even LLMs, may have open source LLMs, which might actually do some of these things and provide solutions of this nature. And I think that in so many directions, things are going. And I think we are closer, significantly closer uh, to actually people being able to access information and services in their own language. I think we're not there yet, but I think the progress that has been made in the last couple of years has been amazing. And I think it's been a great journey to be on. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Vivek. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you and it's, it's really, really exciting in terms of what it looks to be. So thanks, Gaurav. It was really uh, exciting to share this information and I uh, really appreciate you having me on this series. Thank you so much. Thank you. I unlocked a lot of possibilities in this conversation. Hope it did the same for you. Which leaders would you like me to meet? What would you like me to ask them? Please write to me at gauravetextep.org.